You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with the Gun Show. This is your pro-gun, pro-rights, history, training, and fun show. This week, I got the opportunity to interview Eric Perrier, an attorney from Iowa. Rob Morris shares some high points and stories in the news. I poach a story from Masada Ayub, who reviews the new Glock 43. And finally, going to give you some encouragement, because your cards are better than you think. All this and more, coming up next. Boom, 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 boom. This is the Black Man with the Gun Show. Pro-Gun Podcast. And I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. Hey, believe it or not, spring is here, even though it snowed like in the Midwest. It was warmer in Alaska last week than it was here in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Ken Blanchard, and I want to thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show, also known as the Urban Shooter Podcast. After John Wayne leads us in a Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to talk about uh, a couple of things. And I want to thank you for uh, the positive reviews for last week's show about The Force. I had a good time doing it. Blanchard Outdoors is still kicking. We're on our fourth episode this Sunday night, and it's been a, a love process. Some warts in it. There's some bumps in it. We're still smoothing it out. But we had some great guests, and I got some opportunity to learn a lot. Hoping that you'll join us at BlanchardOutdoors.com as well. Now, let's get on with episode number 420. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, all of us kind of define success in different ways. But I saw this post um, this week, and I wanted to share it with you. It kind of starts off the same, and then it crests at the age of 50, and it goes backwards exactly the same way it starts. Believe it or not, that's, I pretty much think that's how we are, too. Like at age four, success is just not to pee in your pants. At age 12, success is having friends. At age 16, success is having a driver's license. At age 20, success is having sex. At age 35, success is defined as having money. And then once you get to that point, at the age of 50, success is having money. At the age of 60, success is having sex. At age 70, success is having a driver's license. At the age of 75, success is having friends. And at age 80, success is not peeing in your pants. You know, when you get down to it, Life is pretty simple. We just make it hard. And now, the news. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color. Rob, welcome to the show, and thanks again, man, for being my news guy. It's my pleasure, Ken. Marilyn's in the news again this week. Yeah. Let's listen to Jacqueline Kahn tell her story to the Maryland Senate. Um... I need you to know this is so incredibly difficult for me, but I feel like if I do not humanize this, if I do not make it clear how this legislation actually affects your daughters, your mothers, the women of this state, then it's all just a bunch of numbers. So let me make it clear. A man was arrested in my backyard with duct tape and scissors. I had never met that man, never heard his voice till I went to court. 
Now, I wish I could tell you that's the only time I've been stalked, or that's the only man who stalked anyone in the state of Maryland, but there's a huge number of women who, like me, have been raped, who, like me, have been sexually assaulted, and we want the right to be able to do what we would be allowed to do throughout the majority of the rest of the United States, which is, if we prove that we are not criminals, that we are law-abiding, that we are sane, et cetera, et cetera, see all the green states? They actually follow this thing called the Second Amendment. Now, here's the deal. I live in Maryland, and I know some women, they like to relax over the sounds of chatter in a cafe, the sounds of smells of coffee beans. You know, that doesn't work for me. My passion for Maryland is I love the wild horses at the beaches. I love the mountains of Western Maryland. So guess what? That means I like to go to secluded places. Well, guess what? One time I was in my tent asleep and a man came in. Why can't I have a firearm to protect myself? Why am I in that tent alone with a knife and a rock and some other weird objects? I'm an NRA instructor, I'm certified, I'm safe, I can teach other people to be safe, I can pass that test 125 out of 125. And yet my state does not grant me, SB 100, does not grant us the right to decide how to protect ourselves. Are you going to be in my neighborhood the next time this guy follows me home? Not too long ago I was making photocopies late at night at Kinko's. The guy follows me home. Guess what? When he gets, when I'm in my house, I'm allowed to protect myself. But walking along the sidewalk, I'm not. So you make me into a criminal. You force me to decide, do I want to be judged by 12 or carried by 6? What I want is for you to pass SB 100. What I want is the right to be able to live freely in a manner that allows me to self-protect myself. Now, I need you to know, it's not just about the women who live in Maryland. But I compete. I'm a competitive shooter. I compete in a variety of different states. You make it impossible for people to who want to come from out of the state. And for the record, some of the firearms that I would like to be able to use, I'm not allowed to buy them because they're most popular sporting rifles that you all or some of your people from last year, if you weren't here last year, have decided are some kind of dangerous rifle and you, 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 put, you call it an assault rifle. I want you to be logical about crime in the states. I want you to be logical about the Second Amendment and I would like you to support SB 100 and honor women like me who want nothing more than the ability to choose where we want to be safe and how. I will be quiet in one more second. I am also very much in favor of SB 454. I am ashamed and embarrassed that Maryland is not on the state and you should be too. I'm in favor of 326, 328 with um, the amendments to recognize Title 12 and 13 and 407. Um, do you have any questions? Because if not, I can't see how you cannot possibly not support SB 100. Thank you, and it was good to uh, good listening to you. Senator you. Norman. Yes, Very sir. Very quickly, I really appreciate your perspective. I didn't hear where you're from. What part of the state are you from? I don't normally announce that. Good enough. But I will send you an email. What did you say? Never mind. It's because I've been stalked home on numerous occasions. And Ken, Jacqueline's a firearms competitor and NRA instructor. I mean, she personifies safe firearms handling, and she isn't allowed to carry in Maryland. It's been years since we had human rights activists stand up in the Maryland Senate and tell the truth. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's kind of weird. As soon as she said that she was an NRA instructor, there are people who will almost discount her immediately as being, uh, I don't know, 
uh, crazy, not, crazy not gun nut. Yeah, not one of us, not one of them. Uh, it, it was just, it kind of just people glaze over that stuff. I've seen it so many times. It's horrible, man. And and the real fact is, she's a person, a person who has a real story. Well, and I think it's an important story. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, what? She's a. Here we have a woman who's been a victim of sexual assault, and we're going to discount her story because she learned to handle a firearm safely. If we want to write the final chapter so that she can be safe, then we have to listen to her story. Absolutely. Two good news stories. All right. You want guns to be ordinary, right? Yeah, it's just a tool. Well, isn't that why you called your podcast Black Man with a Gun? Yeah, I was trying to make sure that by the time I got 100, that it was no big th- no big deal. Nobody even cared. Nobody flinched when somebody said that. They still would just get a chuckle like, oh, yeah, I heard of that guy. Well, I think you, I just we just saved you a couple decades, my friend. You, <laughs> you're right. There was a time and a place where a businessman would lose customers if everyone knew that the owner carried a gun. Today, there's a black lawyer in Davenport, Iowa, who pays his employees extra if they get their Iowa permits and carry in the office. His name is Eric Poirier. He has a blog called Learn About Guns. I I saw him some eight years ago. He's also an NRA firearms instructor. First, his story was written up in an NRA news article. And then that story was picked up by a local Iowa TV station. They interviewed Eric and his staff. Here's a man who who feels so strongly about it. He's I don't think I mean he's not going to risk his business. He's got partners, but he figures nope, it's accepted now. His interview is coming up after this. Really? Yes, absolutely. Well, good work, Eric, and good work, Ken. <laughs> An elementary school class from Colorado City, Colorado, went to the range last year with Project Appleseed. Now, I'm, I know you know about Project Appleseed. Oh, absolutely. Aren't they cool? Yeah. Well, the students were back at the range this last week, only this time they expanded it. This time the lesson runs three days. The first two days cover stories from the Revolutionary War. What was, I thought, really cool, they had reenactors in colonial-era costumes demonstrate uh, period tools, firearms, And the lessons on the firearms included examples of different firearms and how they worked and how firearms had changed. Now, the third day was spent on the shooting range where all the students got to fire 22 rifles. As you'd expect, you have to start every day with a safety briefing. But uh, there's one small bit of bad news. They had one significant problem. Well, you and I are thinking a range safety problem, but it wasn't like that. Their problem was that they only had space for half of the students who wanted to participate in the class. Oh, well, that's all right then. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so that's a great problem to have, and I think they know to schedule several of these events next year so that everyone can participate. You and I have talked about national reciprocity. Can't wait till that happens. Yeah, well, and even in states like Maryland and California, which are May issue, yeah, that may change, but that's changing with time. Yeah. Reciprocity means that any state would recognize a permit from any other state. You could move to another state and all your permits wouldn't vanish as soon as you were no longer a resident of your previous state where the permit was issued. That's pretty close to what we have in Ohio right now. 
it's model legislation really for the reciprocity between all the states. It was just passed into law. In fact, handgunlaw.us, the website where you go to see where you're legal, they just had to update the website to show the new reciprocity. Well, all right, Ohio. I bet the Buckeye Firearms Association was involved in that one. They're like on the on the job. Aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? The, the, again, another model organization. Okay, let, let's talk about a little hope and faith here, Rev. What progress would you hope for in the rights of self-defense? Hey, concealed carry, reciprocity, but most of all, stop making us the bad guys in movies and in drama on television. I agree. So let's think about think how things have changed. We've redrawn the map of concealed carry, and that was in the last 20 years. It went from being only a few states to now there's a handful of states. We have police departments who are being proactive and they teach firearm safety and concealed carry classes. There are stories every day about responsible self-defense with a firearm. You want me to include those in the next, uh, the next news podcast? Heck, heck yeah, man. Give us like a progress report. It's just, it's just kind of cool. I mean, you can look at it and see. There's just so much happening on so many fronts. So many websites didn't exist when I first got started. Um, there are so many people on Facebook and social media stuff is out there it it is out there and we can forget that it's there unless well we'll remind them every week how's that that'll that'll work man that'll work we have more members in the nra gun owners of america and the second amendment foundation than ever before look you were a voice in the wilderness and now you're joined it's a chorus now ken we've got other voices (laughs) like emily miller and john lott yeah they're different. They're, you're each singing different parts, but they're each important. Mm. I mean, when when you started this podcast, you've been doing this, what, seven years? Yeah. We now have TV channels dedicated to hunting, fishing, the shooting sports. And amongst shooting, you can find it for handgun, shotgun, rifle, archery. And women are now involved in every aspect of that, including competition and promotion. And you told us last week about the colleges increasing. That's right. That's right. But But think of it. These days, if you're going to be a competitor, you're also going to be on TV promoting the sport. Yeah, that's cool. They still say that guns aren't for women. But, but look, look at the people who are saying this stuff. It takes millions of dollars from a billionaire to even slow us down. There, there is a grassroots movement, and it is moving. It is. You feel a little better now? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I need to be reminded every once in a while that, uh, that we aren't stuck like we were last 20 years ago. And, yeah. Uh, we still got to be active, still got to join the gun rights groups. We still got to call our representatives, and we still got to take our friends shooting. Now, you started Blanchard Outdoors. Have you invited the staff uh, to go shooting yet? No, it's a staff of one right now. We got our <laughs> engineer. But as the show went, over, went off last uh, Sunday night, he says, man, the audio is not as good as I wanted because I get caught up listening to you guys. Because, <laughs> this is stuff I've never heard before. And I was like, all right, I'll let that go. I'll let, I'll let the fact that it sounds like um, a bad cell phone conversation go because at least these people who are listening right now live to this show, um, a brand new audience has never heard us talk like this, has never heard um, three people um, of color be so animated and fun and just on fire for the Second Amendment, for freedom. And we're, we're tapping into a whole new market. So that was pretty cool. For the outdoors, for fishing, hunting, you know, recreation. It's okay that black men 
and women are active in the outdoors. Yeah, and and, and a Christian. I actually leave it off with a scripture at the end. Um, it's um, basically a Christian network. So we're really knocking some doors down on this one. Well, I, I was on a local cable show. Mm-hmm. And then I asked the producer and host to go shooting. They haven't gotten back to me. But some of my buddies, we have like 20 doctors and nurses that were taken out for their first shots this Saturday. Man, it's always like that. Uh, politicians going to disappoint you. But you got to just keep on going. Keep your front sight on self-defense and the right to keep and bear arms. You know, we'll have some setbacks. Politicians in Maine rejected firearm safety training in public schools. It used to be there. The FBI, we found out, is cooking the books to make it look like there are more mass shootings than there really are. Uh, You might remember, if you think back, John Lott published a previous article where he said the FBI was distorting the statistics on school shootings, saying, oh, a gang shooting that was within a thousand feet of a school zone was really uh, an assault on school property. Well, they were doing similar things with mass shootings. And and you're in the D.C. area, so that might strike a little closer to home. Yeah. It's, it's always about the numbers. And, and folks love to, to just lie, just outright lie. Well, but now, again, things are getting better. We have people who are catching the lies. Yeah, true, true. In West Virginia, though, we had the so-called pro-gun senator, Joe Manchin. Mm. Uh, he spoke out against constitutional carry. And then the West Virginia governor, Earl Ray Tomlin, vetoed. Well, they called it permitless carry in West Virginia. Hmm. Uh, they delayed the veto so late in the session that they probably can't overturn it. But this, this is there. This is, there's a, a, a silver cloud behind the gray. All right. They the vote passed in the in the Senate, thirty to four. So that'll get that'll they have the votes for a veto, and in the House it was seventy-one to twenty-nine. So they've got the votes there. They'll be back next year to pass it. Correction, Grasshopper. We'll be back next year. All right. Well, amen, Ken. That's the news. All right, man. Stay safe. And thank you, man, for presenting this stuff and bringing it to our attention. And I'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you then, Ken. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at crossbreedholsters.com. And now, our featured presentation. All right, next up is the interview I had with Eric Poirier, an attorney out of Iowa that uh, Rob alluded to earlier. Cool brother. I'm so glad to have him. Counselor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Man, I got your, um, I got, I read an article that somebody wrote from Iowa that uh, said that you were helping folks learn about the Second Amendment by encouraging you, giving them a discount or you had, a, you had a unique system for encouraging folks to be concealed carry holders. Can you tell me about that? Oh, yes. Uh, starting about four years ago, we've had a, a policy at my law firm that if you choose to carry, you will get a $50 a month bonus for doing so. 
And of course, I'm willing to give uh, give the class for that as well. I'm an NRA instructor, so I can give the class for Iowa Carry, and it's uh, it's something that I've had over the years in total, maybe about 10, 12 employees or so uh, take me up on. Sometimes we have a lot of people who carry at the office. Sometimes it's fewer, but I uh, I like the uh, I like the results. We've gotten people to carry who otherwise uh, probably wouldn't have. Man, that's outstanding. How did you get involved in Second Amendment? Did you grow up with firearms in the home, or what happened? Oh, no. I, I, I think I came rather late to that. I didn't own my first gun until I was in law school. Uh, Remington 870 still one of my favorites. And from there, I've uh, I've just come to care more and more about it. I think uh, seeing the Constitution and, uh, and how the law works during law school definitely uh, opened my eyes to the way the Second Amendment was being mistreated compared to, say, the First Amendment. Wow, man, that's that's all right. And you know, you practice law where? I'm licensed in Illinois and Iowa. My office is in Davenport, Iowa, so it's right on the border between Illinois and Iowa. So we handle both states. Okay, and what, and what type of law do you practice? Uh, general practice, I would say that uh, a large portion of our cases are in criminal defense, family law, things like that. Oh, okay. Nice, nice, man. I mean, it's it's just, mm, I, I can't tell you, how, I, I'm just cheesing. I'm just happy to, to to have met you, man, online and actually to give you a call. This is just too cool for me. Well, thank you. The The honor is all mine. I've, I remember seeing your uh, your podcast back when I was in law school, I believe it was the first time that I saw it, which is back when I started uh, really caring about the Second Amendment. It's uh, I, I never thought I'd actually get to appear on it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm still at it, man, seven years later, and the show's still going strong. I'm glad, man, that you heard it. That's that's too cool. Um, where, where's home for you? Uh, we live in uh, in Bettendorf, Iowa. It's uh, it's the, uh, the the town right next to where my office is located. Uh, been there for a few years now. Before that, we lived in Davenport, Iowa. It's uh, it's a nice area. There's uh, I'd say a general generally more respect for the Second Amendment than you find in some places. It's certainly not perfect, but I like it. Nice Midwest town. You grew up in the Midwest, in Iowa? Oh, no, I'm from the Illinois area. I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago. Uh, went to law school in Chicago. Ended up in Iowa. My first uh, my first job out of law school was uh, working for a government office that's located in the area. Okay. So that's what brought me out to, uh, to this area. And I love it here. My wife loves it here. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to go to Iowa. I've never been. Yes, nice state. There's uh, there's lots of corn, lots of good. <laughs> lots of corn. All right. What's your plans for the future and, and the Second Amendment? Well, I'd like to see what else I can do to uh, to help with it. You know, my uh, my general thought is most people who don't appreciate the Second Amendment, it's because they're afraid of guns. They've just never been given the right introduction to guns. And so I try my best with that. When we get new employees, I take them shooting for the first time if they've never gone shooting. If they're already a gun owner, I encourage them to carry. I try to get as many people as I can to just to give it a try, if, if only so that they understand our Constitution and they can defend themselves. And that's uh, that's certainly something that's, uh, that's important. I, I can't imagine how terribly I would feel if some employee of mine had something bad happened to them as they were shopping after work or just driving down the street. And if only I'd taken the time to talk to them about armed self-defense and get them to carry, maybe that wouldn't have happened. We've never had that tragedy, but I certainly hope to never have it either. 
do you think um, the Second Amendment is growing in popularity or doing better than it used to? Oh, I, I definitely think so. You look back a few years before D.C. v. Heller, before McDonald v. Chicago, I think that a lot of people, especially in more urban areas, just didn't understand it, didn't appreciate it. If only because of the publicity, I think that's improving. So I, I'm optimistic for the future. I'm still concerned because the anti-gun forces seem to be uh, well-funded and rather creative, but I'm optimistic. What is your carry gun of choice? I love the Springfield XD. It's uh, it's what I carry, and I've uh, I've persuaded a few other people to carry it. I, I feel like I should buy some stock in, uh, in Springfield Armory. Oh, I heard that. Quite a few people are are high on that Springfield. What words of wisdom can you share um, for folks who maybe first time are listening to the show and, and they're saying, "Well, who is this guy, and how can he be right?" Well, I guess I would say, do your research look into the Second Amendment, look into firearms, look into self-defense, and I think the facts just really speak for themselves. And that's what's so great about uh, about all of this. It's not that anybody has to take my word or your word for it or anyone's word for it. The information is out there, the inaccuracy of so many anti-gun statistics, and I, I hate to even say the word statistics there, yeah. is, uh, is readily apparent. It's a situation where I do believe that a reasonable individual who can apply logic to the situation will, will see things for what they are. You know, that's a, that's a really good term that folks don't use well enough, and that's reasonable. As, as an attorney, can you kind of explain that for me, um, that reasonable man thing? You, you, I know you'll say it better than I ever can. Well, the, uh, the law has, a, uh, has the word reasonable in it. What exactly reasonable means isn't something that you can define uh, with the, uh, the highest degree of, uh, of specificity usually, but it's, it's pretty easy to understand and see it. Uh, the situation uh, going back to, uh, uh, to England, I believe, which is where they first used that term, they talked about the reasonable man being some factory worker on the omnibus. I guess we call it the bus nowadays. Mm. That was a couple hundred years ago. And it was your reasonable person, not the smartest person, not the, not the person with the most education, not the person with the most life experience, but kind of your average citizen who's not, uh, who's not totally missing something, who's not uh, uh, so disconnected from reality that they can't understand things. Your average guy, okay. your average woman in this case, certainly too, since male or female nowadays, the law treats equally, which is a, a very good thing, obviously, mm -hmm. but your average person. And I think that that is uh, applying that kind of uh, reasonable person standard when it comes to firearms is pretty straightforward. Second Amendment is there. It's there for a reason. The Supreme Court has done a better job in D.C. v. Heller and McDonald v. Chicago in explaining that than I could, uh, I could possibly try. And I think that uh, a reasonable person who puts aside any biases or prejudices that they might have against guns, who puts aside whatever fear the media might have put into their mind, is going to see that gun ownership is a good thing for society and it's a good thing for individuals. Absolutely. Can you defend people if they get in a situation of defending themselves and Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms issues? Oh, yes. I've had, uh, I've had multiple cases like that. They are just about my favorite kind of, uh, of criminal defense case. There is no feeling quite like getting a not guilty verdict from a jury when you know your client is innocent, that your client justifiably used a gun in self-defense. 
and that is just uh, that is a wonderful feeling. If That's I could just do about. those cases all day long, I'd love to. All right, man. I like that kind of talk. <laughs> Will we see any any giant uh, Second Amendment fights with you in the future? Well, as much as I would love to uh, uh, be a part of that and uh, and have a case proceed to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. My client's well-being, I, I much prefer to see their cases resolved without the need to, uh, to go that far, simply because it's easier on them. And when something nice happens at the trial level and the case is resolved that way, that is, uh, that's generally uh, the best thing for the client. But at the same time, if there's ever a case where we have to, to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, I will look forward to it. Man, that's all right. How can somebody reach you if they're in the Illinois or Iowa area? Oh, uh, easiest way I'd say uh, go to our website. It's per your law. That's p u r y e a r l a w dot com, and you'll find all of our contact information there. We're physically based in Davenport, Iowa, but we handle uh, cases in Illinois and Iowa. Outstanding, man! Thank you so much for being on the show, and I'm glad that I was around long enough to make this thing full circle. Well, thank you for having me on. It's just, uh, like I said, it is just amazing. I, I never thought I'd actually appear uh, on your show, and that just brightens my day. <laughs> that works, man. Brightens mine too. Um, I'm hoping I can keep this number and I'll contact you again if something ha- happens or you want to talk. Man, just give me a shout. Oh, thank you, and, and certainly please do. Be a pleasure to work with you again. All right, man. You have a great week, and I'll talk to you again soon. All right, take care. And here's something I borrowed or poached from my good friends at the Pro Arms Podcast. Thanks, Gail. Hit it, Masad. Hey, gang. Masad Ayub here in Smyrna, Georgia at Glock headquarters, or as a lot of Glock fans call it, the mothership. And what we've got here is something you all have been asking for for a long time, the long-awaited, single-stat, 9mm Glock Model 43. Magazine is six rounds, one more in the launch tube. Essentially, it's less of a slimmed down Glock 26 than it is the Glock 42 380 on a very slight dose of steroids. Full power, 9 mil power bellum. Yes, it will take and is rated for plus P. Recoil is not bad at all. In typical Glock fashion, it's a very controllable pistol. And all of us who shot it today thought we'd be comfortable taking a long, hundreds of rounds shooting course with this little gun. It's going to come with one of these short magazines that's designed for maximum concealment, one more with a little finger flange that a lot of people find more comfortable for a pure shooting, and a little easier to manipulate if they need to do a reload. It's a very slim pistol, barely an inch in, in width. Makes it a lot more comfortable for inside the waistband carry, belly band carry, attached to the vest, or ankle holster carry. One thing I particularly like with it is the trigger reach. For a whole lot of us, the regular block, which was designed for average adult male hand to hold at the pad on the, on the trigger, compared to on the other end of the bell curve, the little baby 380 block, which had such a short trigger reach that some of us had to cock our fingers upward to, to get a good, comfortable trigger position. This is kind of like Mama Bear's porridge. It's just right. For an average adult male hand like mine, with the barrel in line with the forearm, the 
joint of the distal, the distal joint of the trigger finger comes right to the center of the trigger, giving you lots of leverage for a street safe trigger pull that's designed for a constant carry in the pocket or similar concealment locations. For people with very short fingers, maybe fingers only this long, it's still going to be no problem at all to get in there and work it from the pad. We shot hundreds of rounds today with more than half a dozen people shooting, petite females to hefty male mammals. I saw no gun-related malfunctions, one bad cartridge that we can't blame on the gun, and one accidental magazine release that was probably human error. The 380 Glock, in a single year, sold 200,000 copies. This one, it's slightly bigger brother, a 9mm, I think is going to set sales records. For more information about my cool brother, Masad, check out masadayubgroup.com and the Pro Arms Podcast. If you want training, real training, a real instructor, check out masadayubgroup.com. Thanks, Gail. Love y'all. Hi, I want to invite you to consider supporting this podcast created especially for you with a monthly donation. Every little bit helps, and with your support, our friend and brother from another mother can go on and grow this show even better. To pledge your support, go to patreon.com forward slash black man with a gun. As I close out this week's show, I want to remind you of something. When I wore a younger man's clothes, an older guy with gray hair looked at me and said with all sincerity, Little brother, if I had your hand, I would turn mine in. Now, what he said was that no matter how I felt about my situation, from where he was standing, I was doing really, really good. I had nothing but opportunity ahead. You know, a little encouragement goes a long way. Today, with the threat of terrorism, hate, politics, and the uncertainty of our economy, it's easy to think the end of the world is here. It's easy to become disillusioned and saddened that there's no future. Well, I'm just here to tell you, like the old man told me some 20-some years ago, Today is a good day. You have the opportunity to do just about anything. You are only restricted by your own self. You can travel, you can learn, you can try, you can do. Now, the older we get, there are more challenges that we will have to face. There are often marital or family obligations in the way. There are financial debts that we've amounted on our own self. But even those don't have to stop you. I'm reminding you to live. Now, it just makes sense that the younger you are, the less you have. But it's also the more you have to get. The world is bigger than your block. You can leave and start again. You can find new friends. You can be a different you somewhere else. And you don't have to pretend or lie to be it. For example, say you're a shy person and you can't find a date to save your life. When you move, be purposely gregarious. Be the you that you want to be when you change your location. When you introduce yourself, you have the opportunity of imprinting a positive new you to people who will take you at face value. So don't bring your baggage with you. Go for it. We are often our own worst enemy. We limit ourselves. We are afraid to fail. And I'm just here to remind you that failing isn't final. We are more willing to make a fashion statement than a life-changing positive move. Can't find that soulmate? Well, who says she or he lives in your neighborhood or works at your job? You might have to move. You might have to do something. Can't find a job? Make one. 
Stop crying. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Nobody wants to hear all that. You don't even want to hear all that. You know, you can talk yourself into depression or worse. Your words have life or death. Take the cards you've been dealt and show out. I'm here to remind you that you have a winning hand. God deals all of us different hands. How we play them is up to us. This little something, something I posted over at BlanchardMediaGroup.com. All right, this concludes another week of us being together. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me at BlackManWithTheGun.com and all my sites on BlanchardMediaGroup.com. Until next week, shalom, baby. Man, I was sitting in the hallway, 2 o'clock in the morning, working this part-time job. Working on a, a new audio book and trying to get uh, my thoughts together for the new Blanchard Outdoors show and the blog and wondering how my co-hosts are going to hang with me and what the future holds for all of that. Start talking out loud. Next thing I know, I heard the sound kind of echoing off the walls. I thought, man, there's some good acoustics in here. It'll sound pretty nice if I start singing, at least to me. And singing makes me feel good. I don't know about you. Have a great day. Unchain my heart. Baby, let me be. Unchain my heart. Cause you don't care about me. Got me sewed up like a pillowcase. But my love go away. So unchain my heart and set me free. Unchain my heart. Baby, let me go. Unchain my heart. Cause you don't love me no more. Every time I call you on the phone. Some color tells me that you're not at home So unchain my heart and set me free I'm under your spell Like a man in a trance But I know damn well That I don't stand a chance So unchain my heart Let me go my way Unchain my heart you worry me night and day Why lead me through a life of misery and You don't care about the beans for me So unchain my heart and set me free Under your spell, like a man in a train. But I know damn well that I don't stand a chance. So unchain my heart, let me go my way. Unchain my heart, you worry me night and day. 
Why lead me through a life of misery When you don't care a bag of beans for me So enchain my heart, please set me free won't you set me free? Please set me free. Wow, set me free. Please set me free. Ow, set me free, baby. Please set me free. Please, please, please. Please set me free. Please set me free, baby. Please set me free.